0: Hello again, everybody, and welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. Uh, these are the soothing tones of Evan Grant. I'm here along with David Moore. As once again, Kevin's sharing what are we on, missing today? Well, Kevin's on week 12 of his vacation this year. Um, he's uh, up at the farm,
1: I believe, doing some tractor pulling and soothing tones. I don't think it's a a phrase you would also apply to kevin sharing no
0: but me i am mister i'm it sounds like i'm on you chill NPR. yeah you're chill uh and we're going to talk a little bit of of rangers and you know it's it's interesting that when i um when i get control of the podcast it seems like the team is uh teams on a roll um they've won five out of six and uh Maybe will you we... should assert yourself more I, I i do need to assert myself more that that is that is true um but they've won five out of six, uh, and I think a couple things of significance in the past week is one. Well,
1: one thing specifically I believe we'll get to, but please go ahead. This is a guy you said had no place on the major league roster. Will he may him? have had an impact on this. Yes, I believe that's I, I believe that's the Listen, at the beginning athlete.
0: of the season, he had no place on the major league roster, and not because of anything he didn't do, just because of... Where were you going to get him playing time? And I think even right now, with his really hot week, uh, you are seeing the conundrum, which is not a bad thing for a team to have, of how do you work all these guys into the lineup? Because you've basically got four outfielders, four corner outfielders, and a DH for three spots. So it's getting rotated around. And so Willie, 10 for 21 uh, since he came up, somehow yesterday got the day off. Uh, because the Rangers felt like, oh, well, we also need to make sure we it play 100 Pence yeah, and no Mazar. Man, man. They had good numbers against Mike Leak, and it worked out pretty well. That team scored 10 runs last night. But uh, I, I will say this, that what Willie has done since he's come up here is uh, is extremely impressive, and not because he hit two home runs in the first two games or that he homered in his first at-bat. I think the most significant thing is if you look at this guy's numbers right now, he's 5 for 10 with two strikes. Uh, he's had no fear, deep in counts. He's willing to choke up and shown a mature approach at the plate. And all he can do is put pressure on the team that when they do have a full roster, when Elvis Andrews does come back, that they've got to make a decision that says, no, we cannot afford to send Willie Calhoun back to AAA.
1: Well, and we can talk more about this in a little bit. I want to get back to more to how he's playing right now, but what sort of message does that send that, that, He takes his demotion, if you call it a demotion, to start the season uh, fairly well after the initial disappointment. Uh, Responds, does everything, comes back, has an immediate impact. And then I think it would be very difficult now to say, "Okay, you know what? You flashed us something for the future. Go back and continue to work on that and we'll call you up again when we need you. I don't know that that's the sort of reinforcement. You know, look, if this team was in a more competitive position, maybe. But for where this team is, for what it lacked offensively before he got up here, and look, no one's going to say he's going to sustain this sort of sure. pace uh, over a, a three-, four-, five-month period. But to to handle AAA the way he did, to come back, have the impact he did initially – I would argue it would be do more harm to his long-term development at this stage to go, you know what, we just don't have the roster composition right now that's going to make this work. I, I think it's incumbent on them to make it work.
0: Uh, listen, I think they're going to do everything they can to make it work, and I think it's going to put pressure on some other guys. You know, uh, you could end up with a situation where you – Listen, one thing you could do is you could put Danny Santana and Logan Forsyth both on the bench. They, that, that's both what both of their roles were supposed to be. Uh, you could potentially look at sending Ronald Guzman down, not because he's, he's struggled per se, but his numbers aren't as as good as as the others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could play Forsyth and Santana at first base in some kind of platoon to get, keep both of them in the lineup. Uh, and you have you know willie in in that same rotation in the outfield uh so there are some options and i think it's going to be it's going to be creative how the rangers get there uh if elvis is ready to come back on the 25th uh, i'd still suspect that it probably takes a couple days longer than that and and that you know that is the luxury you have if you've got a guy with a hamstring and you've got everybody playing well you can say okay let's Let's make sure here, even if it takes three or four extra days. So, uh, and today is the 21st? Yes. Today is the 21st. And my experience with the Rangers is, even if Elvis is supposed to be back on the 25th, there's a lot that can happen in the next four days. Yeah. Um, you know, yesterday we saw Rugnito Odor take a ball off the wrist, and you wondered, okay, is, is he going to be okay? Because the trainers went out there over the weekend. Santana took a ball over the off the shin, and you wondered – uh, actually, off the ankle, is he gonna stay off the DL so or the injured list? I should say.
1: And there's always an issue with a hamstring of your. There's always a concern. Or are we bringing you back, even when we say toward the end of this, is it still going to be something you're going to deal with all season? And if you have someone, if if you have the offensive lineup producing like it is now, and everything's in place, will you extend it another week? And you see, I, I'm not I'm not saying you sit him, needlessly, but. Uh, there's always a concern with the hamstring, especially this early in the season, that if you don't get the proper rest, it's going to be uh, recur throughout the season.
0: What I would say is this. Um, what became incumbent when Willie Calhoun came up here was that the the underlying message was that Rugnet Odor and Nomar Mazzara start moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I will say this, that over the last seven games, Odor's had four home runs, eleven RBIs, um, and a uh, one point oh eight one OPS. Mazzara has been even hotter. So mm-hmm. it, it, there was some underlying message that hey, there's some there's some competition some competition that we can create here. And I will say that both those guys have responded, and that I, I think that was something that the Rangers really
1: wanted to see um responded or, or are they sparking off of each other in the because again, I want to get to the, the numbers are just so dramatically different since Calhoun has come up. uh, uh Mazar, let me I just he's a driver in this, but I mean one guy just doesn't resurrect enough not what why is he why has he had the impact that he's had?
0: well I, I I think again his 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 approach at the plate has been very mature. um he's sitting in the number two spot and so early in the game, there's, you know, it's not like anybody else is really impacting him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that, that in large parts, a lot of what has happened has been more coincidental than anything else because they looked awful. Everybody looked awful against Houston. They just mm-hmm. did. Um, and, and Houston is going to make a lot of teams look that way. Uh, and then they got they got better against Kansas City, partly by – Partly because I think that that Calhoun did provide something of a spark, and I do think it did light the the matches uh, under under those other guys. Mazar is hitting three sixty seven in the last ten days, mm-hmm. so um, all of that took place, and, and I think they they kind of got their footing back under him, and they they've played well offensively for the last week. I, I think the biggest things are. Joey Gallo's offense has been sustained all year. Mm-hmm. Um, which, to this point, is is a very pleasant surprise for this team. I think that they thought his offense would be significantly better than it was last year. I don't know that they thought Joey was going to be right in the middle of the MVP hunt. He would be embarrassed. Yeah, they yeah. didn't know it. He's, He's in the top three players consistent. in the American League right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I don't know that they could have... They They certainly couldn't have bargained for the kind of offense they've gotten from guys who were supposed to be on their bench from Pence who remade his swing over the winter from Forsyth who Chris Woodward knew in Los Angeles and thought, okay, there are some things that are our, our offensive guys can do with his swing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that anybody thought other than Danny Santana has got some raw ability, had a good rookie year and has gone downhill ever since. I don't know that any of those, they thought any of those guys were going to give them legitimate offensive numbers. And those mm-hmm. guys are hitting all 300 or better right now. So um, there – and I do think, you know, as I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent here, but um, I don't – so what on, – on Cowboys, like what is the, the one pain-in-the-ass question that you get on social media like every week?
1: Probably several, but, I mean, it depends on the time of the year. But – Like every night I get – when I post the lineup, well, well, I get— that Prescott is, well, how in the world can you pay this guy $30 million? Okay. And every
0: night I get, or of why is so-and-so in the lineup and why is so-and-so not in the lineup? Yeah. And yeah, it's the nature of baseball, right? But what I think we've seen is from Chris Woodward playing all these guys on a regular basis mm-hmm. and involving them all. It's kept them all pretty—both fresh and invested— and so he's getting the maximum out of his entire club right now. They've got a – because they don't really have a, a bench per se. Whatever mm-hmm. night they run out there, they've got a good bench. That's why this team has three pinch hit home runs, why they've got 11 RBIs off the,
1: uh, uh, from, from
0: pinch hitters, uh, and and everybody is contributing when they start. Mm-hmm.
1: 11 RBIs for pinch hitters, is that – That matches that their season the...
0: total for last year. <laughs> so uh,
1: – and it's uh, –
0: Going into the week, I think the Red Sox were second in the American League in pinch-hit RBIs with six. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're basically at, at double where everybody else is. Wow. Because guys are guys are coming into the game and they're not stale.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So. Um, I think the other thing that I would want to talk about is, and, and I know Kevin would love to discuss this if he was here, um, but fortunately I'm he's sure not. I'm sure Kevin wrote about it. <laughs> um. Fortunately, it's uh he's not. Um but uh, <laughs> I-, I think Mike Miner really is gonna make the situation very interesting for the Rangers. He's 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 putting them in a very good situation. Um again, another uh, another double digit strikeout game on mm-hmm. Monday. Um he's pitching like a legitimate top of the rotation pitcher and has really since the second
1: half of last year. And even more so maybe the outing before that where he didn't have his best. He didn't have anything, had to gut through five innings him, yeah. and
0: held, you know, Kansas Kept City their own. Um but they're either going to get if he keeps this up, they're either going to get a legitimate haul for him at a trade at the trade deadline mm-hmm. or they're going to have to seriously consider, as as Kevin mentioned, uh the idea of Maybe we do need to anchor the rotation the next couple of years around this guy and and you could make a strong case for that right now and I also think that given given where minor was there, there's there's two schools of thought here right mm-hmm. where minor was he's probably only got one big big contract in front of him uh, so do you have to maximize that and get the longest terms and the most money or from where you were and you missed two years and basically were on the verge of being out of the game, mm-hmm. do you just want security, right? Yeah. So uh, he got the security with the Rangers in that first three-year deal. Would he take something that amounts to a two- or three-year extension that that keeps him here through the age of 35 or so and allows the Rangers some breathing room to say, okay, we do have an anchor in the rotation that we can now start to build around. So it's mm-hmm. going to be a really interesting next two months, I think, where that's concerned.
1: Well, and again, you're projecting how sustainable is this beyond this season. It's not about just this season. It's like, okay, can he repeat it? Or Absolutely. Or at least close enough to where it makes sense to do it.
0: But you look down, okay, Let's you look and you say 2017, when he came back from all the shoulder problems, he was an elite reliever. Mm-hmm. Um, last year he was a solid starter. Mm-hmm. This year he's been an elite starter. Yeah, there is a pretty steady progression. Here. Yeah. Um, how long can he maintain it at this level? That's the question you but run into. But three years with at this time, yeah. Yeah. But,
1: but three consecutive years are going on. Two and a half years going on. Three at right. this stage makes you pretty. Gives you some confidence that look. There's this some is affirmation. Not just going that to,
0: this guy is yeah. This guy is. There's something there. Um so I those for me have been the two the two big stories over the last
1: week. Uh and again to me with minor you just have to you have to look and project okay, we don't have him here. Who do we have to fill it? And if you have at least one guy you can wait and see who emerges from your young pack to go into other, but if you have like no spots filled it, then you run the risk of well, you either go out and you have to overspend on a guy you don't want just a as a placeholder for a year, or you have to put a young guy in who you're not convinced is really ready to go yet. True.
0: And I you know, you look at this rotation right now and there's a ton of questions and, and what the Rangers yeah. are gonna have to do for the next uh, for see for well in my mind for the foreseeable future is be really creative with with three spots there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's right to give El Herrado some starts there and and take a look at him. His his fastball is significantly better than it was last year, and his breaking his breaking ball is, has been become more of a a slider than a curve, and it's a little bit tighter according to what everybody is telling me. But that's one of those kind of young pitchers that you have to take a look at whether he's just a a mediocre starter but might have a real role for you as a as a multi-inning guy in the bullpen or whatever, That's this is the year to do that. Um, Drew Smiley, Shelby Miller, they've not gotten the job done in the rotation. Edinson Volquez is hurt, is going to be able to start doing some throwing, but look, yeah. it, 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 if he comes back, it's after the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a long-term solution either. But you've got Lance Lynn on the first year of a three-year deal, and what he's what he has done is what is very necessary uh, for a championship team, and that's just eat innings. Uh, he'll go out there, he'll throw 110 pitches without any issue. Uh, he'll soak up innings. If you've got Miner, who's an elite pitcher, all right. Now you've got you've got the core. Mm-hmm. You go out this with this offseason, If say you add Garrett Cole to that, now you've got a, a legitimate one. In the number one spot, you've got a topper, a topper, a top tier number two in the number two spot. Mm-hmm. You've got Lynn, who's capable in the number three spot, and if you, if, if at that point in time, then you add one of those guys from the minor leagues. If just Palumbo or Hernandez uh, or Brock Burke or if Taylor Hearn comes back this year and they prove in the second half of the season they're ready to be in a big league rotation, now you've got a pretty good four, mm-hmm. and that does give you the ability to then say, okay, the fifth spot, we'll make that work with an opener or piggybacking yeah. guys, and you say, okay, that's that's our situation there. Jose Leclerc all of a sudden looks like he's getting right. Struck out 10 of the last 13 guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Rangers are on the, the verge of putting him back in a closers back. role. Um, if he reclaims that closers role and pitches like he did last year – now you say, okay, we're we're not bad at the back end of the of the mm-hmm. bullpen going forward, and you look at this lineup and you say this lineup is capable. There's some young hitters here. All of a sudden, the outlook becomes a
1: lot sunnier. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you take Miner out of that, and the dominoes how they fall look a lot different. If you take Miner out of it, then you've either
0: then you've got to go get you've got to go get Cole, and you've got to get another good another. free agent next yeah. year if you expect to. Uh, play with the big boys next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I think it's going to be really imperative. I hate, I kind of hate this philosophy, but at the same time, it's very tantalizing. If Garrett Cole's a free agent at the end of the year and you take him out of the Astros rotation, you're also. Eliminating some end. of that gap between yeah. you and the team that that right now is head and shoulders above the rest of the division.
1: Well, again, it's just like winning a game in the division against a, a rival. absolutely. It's really there, two there's games a double versus one. Yeah, it's
0: a double edged benefit, right? Because yeah. you take he's sure. out of the, the Astros' rotation and now he's in your rotation. So, I, I think that's something they really have to consider. And this team should be able to start spending money next year. And if yeah. if, if 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 this team uh, overachieves here the first the first half of the season. I would not go out and add big pieces in terms of trades, mm-hmm. but w- I would be willing to say, okay, let's let's talk about extending Gallo. Let's talk about potentially extending yeah. Mazar if he shows you something. Let's definitely talk about Minor, and then let's add say, let's, let's go out next winter and be the big spenders and add Anthony Rendon at third base and Garrett Cole at, at, in the rotation. And now all of a sudden you go into a new park and you're like, uh, the Rangers need to be reckoned with. So yeah. that's the positive element of all this. The yeah. negative element is that right now we're all talking everybody reaches their ceilings. Mm-hmm. And... I think we know what the history is of guys all reaching their ceilings. Sure. It doesn't happen. Um, but particularly on Gallo, particularly on Minor,
1: you've got to be very intrigued right now. Sure. And, again, to me, this is always the what you had to discern out of this season was what you just said from a financial basis going forward because that's going to determine how you proceed. And so you need to determine – You know, is Gallo, is Mazzara, I mean, you know, Profar, how much farther do we want to go, you know, do we want to get the cost certainty in, extend who we can, and then know that we're going to have this money to spend outside of this nucleus? But you have to be convinced that that's your nucleus on your everyday line. Right, and I, I think that, look... And that's what you need to come out of. You you need cert, as much certainty as you can have in that, which will give you cost certainty going forward to know how to distribute the money. Correct. And, and I
0: do think that whether whether fans want to accept this or not, Odor is signed long-term, yeah. and he's part of that he core. He is, sure. Um, so there's an investment in trying to get him right. Uh, I think Gallo is inching ever closer to... Let's get this guy locked up status. Mm-hmm. Um, the big question is going to be on Mazzara. Sure. Uh, there. There's a question there. Is Ronald Guzman a core player? Um, I don't know if he's a core player. I think he's a very good supplemental player on a championship team because he's a very good defender who gives you a really strong asset there. He's got power and, and can add a little bit more. And I think this kid is a pretty um, – Intuitive hitter. Mm-hmm. I, I I think he's he's going to be a better hitter than people give him credit for. I like that. Um, I don't know that I like Joey Gallo playing center field long term for his for mm-hmm. his health. Uh, and so now if you've got if if you've got to take Gallo out of center field, you do need to find a center fielder. So there's there's Is it still a ton because of, of his apart. size. I think so. You? Yeah. I mean every time he every time he dives for a ball, I go oh because. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we saw it with Josh. Josh Hamilton's body was beaten up, but he was a big man. Uh, and if you go into the wall, the walls don't give. If you if you dive on the ground, you know, little guys, limber guys, they get hurt too. Mm-hmm. And you take that guy, you take that bat out of the lineup, and you're really, really have
1: it struggling to find a, a any answer. You brought up Josh Hamilton. Should we talk about him a little bit here? Sure. Um,
0: uh, the thing Does about, it
1: surprise you the the dichotomy of some people are going, why him go in the Hall of Fame, where others are going, well, no, this is a no brainer. Of course, he should go in.
0: I think he's a, I think he's a slam dunk. I, I don't know. And I was talking with John Daniels about this yesterday, and, and brought it up to Elvis as well. You know, two guys who who know him pretty well that. You know, there may have been guys with better careers that have played in Texas, but I don't think you can say that anybody jammed as many dramatic, indelible moments into their career in Texas as Josh did in his five-and-a-half years.
1: And define that period. I mean, yeah. he was the Rangers during that five-and-a-half years. Absolutely. That was the association. There
0: were, there were great players on that team. Were, yeah, very, yeah. But, I mean, it was, what's Josh going to do? Yeah. Um, are there some things that give people some pause? Yes, there's people who always empathize with the the substance abuse issues mm-hmm. and and accept that it's a battle you win Constant on a battle. day base on a daily basis. And those but they'll say
1: you're enabling, and what are you doing? You're and, not yeah, going to win wow. it a hundred percent of the
0: time. Yeah. Um, there's people who thought that uh, uh, th- that you know it's i don't know hypocritical in some ways to wrap yourself in in faith and christianity and then you know have these kind of slip-ups that you had. um i i look at him and i've i've seen the good of josh hamilton i've seen the bad i've seen the 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 enigmatic i've seen the troubling the quizzical uh and this guy brought a ton to this franchise that's Mm -hmm. the only way i can say it um and I, I can't imagine the Rangers having a Hall of Fame going forward without him in it. I just feel like, and kind of the subject of the column this morning was, yeah, you know, they're going to give him a plaque, but this is a guy who really deserves a montage, you know, because mm-hmm. how do you jam all this stuff into into a plaque? You know, okay. the the home run derby, um, uh, the 28 home runs in, in, in the first round in 2008, and that's on top of the incredible first half he had. mm mm-hmm. um, the the MVP season in 2010 with the batting title, uh, the 2011 the the uh, what should have been the, the World Series clinching home run yeah. with a torn groin muscle, torn, yeah. Um, 2012, quite frankly, the best offensive game I've ever seen. Four, five for five with four home runs and and the double that he hit in that game was maybe the hardest of the five balls that he hit. Just extraordinary talent and a knack for the dramatic the moment. Yeah, um, even in 15, when his body was beaten up, you know, his first week back, he comes in, has a walk-off hit, and makes a makes a catch, basically running into the wall. Well, because he doesn't know how to not do that. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I think it's I think it's appropriate that John Hamilton goes into the Rangers Hall of Fame. I think it's deserved. I just think, you know, this is, again, in talking with Josh yesterday, um, he's never officially announced his retirement. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that part was hard for him, even though he says, I'm just happy to fade away. I think it, it would be much more difficult for him to come out and say it's over it's with. It's uh, And he says that there's still days he wakes up and he thinks, I could go do that. Uh, he's a different personality. Um but I, 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 yeah, the the this team needs to to honor him. They've wanted to honor him, mm-hmm. you know. I think ever since it became obvious in 2017 that he wasn't going to be able to play anymore, mm-hmm. they've wanted to honor him, and 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 I think that it, it all came down to when Josh was willing to say, "Okay, I'll, I'll I'll be there and take part in it," and he he's doing that, and I think it's um, I think it'll be a good moment for the club.
1: Yeah. Well, again, there's there. Are, there's so many different personalities and athletes. And, and the idea that that you need to do it longer or you need to, you know, conduct yourself at a, at a certain decorum or, or do this. Hey, five years uh, with the club to, now in, in, in Major it, it, League it Baseball? Five, five and a half years is much different now than it was it is. 15 years ago.
0: Absolutely. And I think that it is imperative for the Rangers to, as they move into this new ballpark, And as they do have a group of guys who led them uh, to the most successful era in this franchise's history to this point, it is imperative that they build a legacy. Sure. You look at, you know, the Mavs have a championship and they have what I think we all believe is, if not the coolest, most approachable player in the Dallas Fort Worth Mm -hmm. market uh, ever, certainly one of the top three Mm -hmm. in Dirk. The Cowboys, obviously, are this market's iconic franchise. Um, And and the players who played for the Cowboys uh, and and the championships they won, that legacy dominates the marketplace. Uh, The Stars, I think, are always destined to be, even in the best of times, more of a niche team. But they had Mike Madonna, and they have a championship. They have a championship. Um, The Rangers need to, even though they've been here almost 50 years, they need to build on a legacy. For, mm-hmm. for the first 20 years of this franchise's existence, they were a joke. Yeah, uh, and, and they now have something that they can build on, and they need to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Agree completely.
0: Um, and speaking of legacy, before we get out of here, so what's the Game legacy of Jones, Game of that? Thrones, yeah. <laughs> See, that was a better segue, was it not? It was, it was. Maybe Kevin should listen is, to us.
1: Well, maybe, well, he doesn't listen to us when he's here. That's so true. Why, why would he do it now? But uh, – and we wouldn't be talking about this as Kevin was here because he would be very dismissive of it. Yeah, because say. it's modern. I it's look th- this isn't the, spoilers upcoming people. <laughs> yeah, this isn't. Uh, well, I, I think by the nature of this, I, I think that uh, we've gone beyond the window of what's uh, acceptable. I don't think we're spoiling anything at this point. If people, have, you would have to be so. <laughs> If people haven't watched
0: at this point in time, they're, I, I don't think they're all that interested in it,
1: and I don't think they're going to come to the Rangers podcast at the end of the Rangers podcast to hear about it either. Maybe, but uh, again, it's it's always so difficult to bring a sprawling series like this to a close, and this was, uh, again, you know, if there are different ways to approach it, if if you're the sort of writer who who starts with your premise, gets your ending, and then plots it to get to that point, I think it's it's tighter. Uh, you're going to be able to stick the landing better. It's all going to be part of a cohesive narrative all the way through. But I, I don't think that's what appealed to fans, and I don't think that's how this was written. And, and when you're writing books like he did, uh, suddenly minor characters— you become intrigued by, and suddenly they're major characters. So now suddenly, instead of where you started, if you you went with the other writing discipline, where you started, you would have maybe, say, five, six major characters that you you all bring in. Now suddenly you have 18 to 25, and you have all these threads, and they're not all connected as tightly as they would be otherwise. And so then how do you do that? And... And unfortunately what happened was I, I timing clearly got to him at the end and and where you spent like seven seasons of character development uh would these re- could you have made these character reversals or or character arcs make sense? Yes, but not in a in an episode and a half like you were ha- what like you were forced to do with Daenerys and some others.
0: That was yeah, that was the thing that I thought from the start of the final series that
1: uh you didn't even spend all this last season showing that she was going to move in this direction. The, the, you could have at least started it earlier.
0: The final, the final season, the first two episodes. I was like, um, "We're moving a little bit slow here. If we're going to wrap all this yeah. up." Yeah. And uh, listen, what would what, uh, my my feeling on this is? If you watch Game of Thrones, uh, and I, I'm going to tell you that. Like Lord of the Rings, Narnia, any of that interests me not one bit. And the only reason I got into Game of Thrones was because it was pitched to me that we do a Mm -hmm. Rangers mid-season report with a theme of Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. So I started watching it and had to binge to kind of catch up. up, Uh, And then I got hooked. And I'm not into dragons. I'm not into medieval type stuff uh, or zombies in particular. But... The storylines and, and the characters were were compelling enough that uh, it really hooked me and I found myself pretty emotionally invested. and so at the end, were there things that I was disappointed in? Yes, but after uh, a, a little bit of time again, it's for me, it's like watching a football game that I'm invested in. Sure. If it's a good football game, you still enjoy it. Yeah. At the end, I appreciate ten seasons or eight seasons and nearly well, you look a decade at the totality. A, yeah, yeah, or, or like an the individual's
1: career as well.
0: I was I've I've been more hooked on on that show than I have any
1: really in the last decade. So mm-hmm. for me, it was all time well spent. Um, it it is interesting to say I, I, because I'm not. I wasn't as emotionally invested in it as you and and many people, I would say. I kind of went in and out on it and and just didn't follow it, you know, compulsively, if you will, all the way through or or feeling the need to, uh, you know, catch up at any certain moment. But it was very interesting to watch people and social media, and you could tell how conflicted people were who the series meant so much to them. Oh yeah. Because they would concede, well, they didn't do this, they didn't do that, but then would emotionally lash out. It's like, well, who are you to take away my enjoyment from me? While they while they in essence were also acknowledging, yeah, I didn't like this, this didn't make sense, but come on, you're putting too much into that. And, it, and it's what we all do on different things. Absolutely. I mean, it, but, but it's just fascinating to watch. And look, no one wants to invest that much time and come away and go, why did I invest that time? I didn't like And if you invested all that time, you can be disappointed at the ending, but that didn't mean you it, – it, it's not about the ending. It's about the overall ride. It, yeah, it's not, you know? because it,
0: it's hard to wrap up any, any long-term sure. series. And there
1: are other – I mean, you know, now so – Because you are just want the about, series to continue. Yeah, people are talking about the worst way – that's the other thing. You also have to acknowledge – In some ways, you're not going to like any ending because you don't want to see it end. And so you're also going, well, no, why would they do that? So uh, there are many different emotions there that you're kind of sorting through. Uh, But but again, it it was curious in that final episode where there was so much. Now, at that point, they couldn't have caught up. But the last episode with what was out there, they couldn't have devoted – all of the time they needed to wrap up everything. Correct, it, it,
0: especially when there were a lot of montages of people just walking and staring aimlessly.
1: And, and that was it. You had okay, let's have Tyrion walk down <laughs> a corridor and go. Let's spend, you know, three minutes with no dialogue. There were there were <laughs> there a lot were of several episodes. There of were a those lot of periods long... with
0: no dialogue where people were walking and just staring aimlessly. But again,
1: <laughs> also this show was just about its visual brilliance as well, and 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 uh, so that was a mood and, and that was a character as well. And and again, that one shot when, when she's walking out to address the troops and the dragon races behind her and goes, that is a spectacular shot. Yeah. And, and, and people are watching it for that on some level, as much as they are character development and how's this whole thing going to end. and And again, that's the other thing. No one's ever going to completely agree with the ending because you're, emotionally invested in different characters and you would prefer to see them do it or you would go well no this should have happened through this or how can Bran get it he was just along for the ride he did nothing the whole way all he did was sit back and go oh well you were where you needed to be yeah the, the, there was a lot of opaqueness
0: in in, uh, in Bran um, and, and again there were so many moments at the end that you were like what okay um but at the end of it, again, I was I was entertained for for ten years. I yeah. looked over at Gina after we watched it Sunday night, and we she had gone to see John Cusack do uh, uh, an interview at the Majestic. Oh wow. and then we so we watched it later, mm-hmm. and uh, we were just watching it in bed, and I looked over at her and I said, "Dumb show," and then that was it. And and fifteen minutes later, I was just like, "Wow, I've just spent you know a lot of the last." Well really it's probably been 5 years for me waiting for the next episode to drop yeah. so
1: And and look it's it's fair to focus on the ending because we just had the ending and that's that's what everybody should be talking about but when you're considering the top 2 to 3 comedy series of all time what would you put in there Well for me it's Seinfeld and Nash. Okay and nobody was, liked was the there a worse to ending one. was there yeah. a worse ending to Seinfeld no. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think some people actually did like Mash more in Seinfeld, but, but I think universally Seinfeld, it's ending is going to be, in fact, I, the polls are coming out now. I think it finished second behind how I met your mother in, in, in one poll as it's far as the ending? worst ending ever. So
0: who was your favorite
1: Game of Thrones character? <laughs> well, again, it rotated from time to time. Um, Intrigued by Sansa and all she went through and what she became and how she uh, manipulated things at the end and how she responded through all of her adversity.
0: Okay, I'll accept that.
1: Um, well, thank you for accepting that. I, I mean,
0: you're entitled to your
1: opinions, whether they're <laughs> wrong or not. I, I
0: I kind of like gravitated towards these tangential guys. That yeah. Um, So I really, for some reason, I really liked Sir Davos. Um, I don't know, because he was just, he's like a beat guy, right? He's just kind (laughs) of, he's out there serving, uh, doing what he's told to do, just always kind of reliable. And I like Braun because I thought Braun had uh, um, kind of the uh, dashing kind of, Flippant attitude that that was often was flippant, yes, yes. Um, but I, I, I think when you get right down to it, it was uh, um, the development of if there was one so development, you said Littlefinger.
1: You're a Littlefinger guy.
0: To I was not really that big into Littlefinger. Um, I think the one character whose development was most linear and stayed true all the way was was Tyrion and Obviously mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage is one of the great actors yeah. of our of our time. I think he did a tremendous job.
1: Well, and and it and look, I, I didn't think the final episode was that bad. I know some people are putting it there. I, I thought there were now the episode before that, that's a different conversation. But I didn't think the final episode was that bad. I, I thought for where they were, I was I thought it was pretty emotionally satisfying and kinda did what it needed to do. Uh, to to wrap everything up, but uh, if you took Peter Dinklage out of that final episode, what would you have had? I mean, a lot, it, well,
0: you would have had a little bit less staring, yeah. um, <laughs> but a lot of things that just were really uh,
1: bad dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, he at least he was able to explain things, and he he was the one who like. Pulled it all together. Although, let me say this. Although,
0: let me just say this. I I will say this for a spoiler when when you say what's better than what unites people more than stories. I would like to bring them into the newspaper industry (laughs) today. That was the first (laughs) thought that went through my head. Stories. How come we're not thriving then? So, uh, but yeah, okay, I'll buy that. Stories. Stories unite people.
1: Well, yeah, and he made a story on. Bran, and it was like, just because he never talks, and everyone else kind of, there's this mythical thing, and you wonder about it, but...
0: Well, I, I think the point he was trying to get no, to I, was no, that no, Bran has going.
1: the the memory
0: of all men I mean, in, his, sure. in his mind. But... And he'll let me run things, so... Well... I... <laughs> um, but, so that's enough Game of Thrones uh, spoilers for you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too.
1: Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.